so just real quick with the, the vacation stuff, you know, you guys going to your tropical places, you, I think you really miss the the underrated Northern Michigan, 35 degrees and rain, snow mix where everything's brown. I, I think you really missed the boat here. It was nice. We did. Yeah, actually, I didn't take a boat. Well, I did a little bit, but it's mostly like planes. So I did the planes, trains, automobiles thing. So, but yeah, I mean, I, I look out the window right now. It's nice and brown. It's what, 42 today or 45 and but no rain. So oh, 75 and sunny here. We're going to get up into the 50s today. See, there you go. Look at that. It's going to happen. Let's go. Yep. We'll enjoy that that sweatshirt and pant weather. <laughs> i'm not my windows down today i can tell you that much uh, right welcome to plug in for more brought to you by evuniverse.com ev universe is your one-stop shop for all things related to the electric vehicle here on this podcast our goal is to educate inspire and hopefully make your transition into the electric vehicle marketplace a lot less intimidating and now, here are your hosts, Mike, Tom, and Bryant. Bryant got to see a Silverado EV up close. That was pretty cool. Yep. What'd you think of yeah. that? Yeah, I liked it. I was actually really surprised. I was just pulling into a Charger, and there's actually two of them there. Um, they're both test vehicles. I was kind of bummed because I was taking videos and pictures, and the guys were giving me, you know, kind of like mean looks. I was going to go in the look in the interior, but... They're, they would definitely not let me do that. But I would say, you know, first impressions, having driven the Lightning, you know, seen the scene and been in the Rivian, I think this is bigger. Um, it's bigger than the <laughs> Lightning, just a little bit. I would say from a, a um, perspective of how wide it is, it just feels like a much bigger truck than the than F-150. And then it really looks like the Honda Ridgeline. Like that is that is the uh, the styling of it. The Honda Ridgeline is probably you know right down to the T, what it is. But overall, it's a really attractive truck. And um, the people in the parking lot around me, not even EV buyers, were really interested. They were they were just one guy pulled up in his Silverado, and he's like, "Man, you geeking out with that new EV? It looks pretty cool." And we had a good conversation. But um, yeah, I would I would say I'm really excited to see what the final final you know these are test vehicles so i'm assuming they'll look sure. somewhat like it right but the final one i think is gonna look sharp i mean I, I know i want one i mean i think tom and i both put um reservations down on the denali version it's it's a sharp looking truck yeah i've got a first day reservation for the silverado as well mm. so i got one for both of those but i also got the invite to build a lightning Ooh, me too yeah yeah I, mean, I got the invite i'm definitely not gonna be uh getting one of those i think you need a couple more trucks though right i think yeah i think that'll help my marriage out quite a bit if i just keep buying more cars she'll my wife's gonna be super thrilled so it's been um, two months since you bought a new vehicle i know you're getting the itch yet come on yeah kind of i mean it's already there it never <laughs> really goes away so yeah she's uh yeah she she's being really really good about my addiction problems um with these vehicles um but I think it's it's best for everybody, us included, if I if I slow uh, slow down a little bit on that. I would say the only thing about the uh, Silverado I saw, and I know it's a test vehicle, guys, but when I pulled in, my I was like a I don't know thirty eight percent EV uh, EV six charging. I threw it in, you know, went up to ninety in I don't know twenty minutes or so. I came back out, and the Silverado was still like at fifty six. So I know, like I said, these aren't the, these aren't the real ones; these are test. But they better fix the charging because I charged up 
and lap that guy on my car. So that was kind of yeah. interesting. You know, that, that's one thing I've noticed with the Rivian too is um, the charging speed is is fine. I mean, on the home charger, it's it's not really any different than than my other vehicles. But when you have such large batteries in these things, it's just going to take longer. I mean, that's something I don't think it's really being talked about. They talk about like what's the the charging curve and what's the max charging speed. Well, it's like these things are way less efficient and much bigger batteries. It's just going to take longer. It's like there's no way around it. Um, I mean, when you look at something like the Hummer, which I've got a buddy who was talking to me about that yesterday because he wanted to get a Hummer. I'm like, have you seen how wide these things are? I'm like, you're not going to be able to get a, like a normal parking spot's going to be tough because they're like eight inches wider than the than the Lightning. I mean, so they're they're super wide, but I mean that's like a 200 kilowatt battery. I mean they're big. It's double like a Tesla Model S or X. Speaking of the Hummer EV, Brian, you're going to get one of those, aren't you? Because your wife was reaching out and oh, campaigning. Yes, right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So my, let's 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 talk about that for a second. So randomly over the weekend, I get this text message like, "Hey, don't tell Bryant, but I really want a Hummer EV. How can I work this?" Um, from Bryant's wife, and so I just look at this message and go, "Hmm, should I respond to this or, yeah, yes. okay, I will." Yeah, I mean, and you know, do right by my buddy, or nope, no, not Texas wife. Yes, this is how you get it. So uh, this is how you convince him. <laughs> but <laughs> anyway, so what did she say? So what did? Uh... When's yours getting delivered? Yeah, I mean, like this is a weird problem to have. I'm trying to talk like this opposite of Mike. Like my wife wants to buy all these EVs, and I'm like, no, I like I like the EV we have. <laughs> <laughs> But no, like, I don't like the Hummer, guys. Like, so, like, let me back up. So, the day we're leaving um, after the Silverado's, the next morning, we're driving by and um, there's a Hummer sitting at the charger. And she's like, oh my gosh, like, look at that. It's amazing. And it's like, no, it's not amazing. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> I hate that truck. It's like the biggest, biggest waste of EV space <laughs> in the world. But no, I mean, there's cool things about it. Don't get me wrong. But anytime a truck has to crab walk, like, come on. So we're not getting one, and I, I warned I warned you both not to respond and antagonize her. But I'm I'm sure you both did that. So yeah, don't don't worry. We we always you got your back for that. Or the other, yeah. <laughs> I mean, they're cool. I mean, they're just there's they're really actually not practical at all. I mean, they're just like the bed's actually tiny. You can't park them anywhere. But, Agreed. They, yeah. they won't fit in a garage because they're so tall. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. It's, I think they're cool. They're just not practical. It's about as useless as a Rivian, but just for the opposite reasons. <laughs> okay. Now, let's just clarify. Tom has never written in a Rivian. Just he's all making these assumptions on his on these headlights, which I actually I love that Rivian, man. That thing is a it's been a really good truck. I'm defending it now because I feel like I have to. Poor Rivian. <laughs> I'm um, sure it's a great it's truck. Beat up by Tom. It is. It is a really good truck. Um, okay. I mean, that's so the, the only the only thing more obnoxious than the than the Hummer is the Cybertruck. That thing's gonna be sweet. Do you guys see the new? Um, April Fool's video of the crash test that never occurred. So it shows it like almost running into the wall and like 15 different perspectives. It, and it makes yeah, you think it's going to actually hit the wall and it doesn't. 
I, I saw a friend of the show, Aaron Jones. He uh, was posting that video and making everybody watch it. Yeah. Like yeah. he should. Yep. Mm-hmm. Former, former Tesla employee. Yep. Right. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I, we hinted a little bit earlier where I was picking on these guys for taking tropical vacations, but Brian got to see a really cool EV where he was at. Was it the Build Your Dreams EV? Build Your Dreams EV. For most people, they know it as BYD from China. That's just, yes. I, yeah, yeah. I'd never seen it before. I mean, it pulled up, uh, so I was in the Exumas, and uh, it was actually, so let me back up a quick second. Having a gas-powered vehicle in a small island community is a pain in the butt. So we rented a little tiny Honda Fit, and our last day there, of course, there's no gas, right? The gas stations are all empty. We waited in line for like 45 minutes for gas to be delivered. And throughout the whole time we're there, I was thinking, man, like it'd be really like, I think these uh, islanders would probably be the first people to adopt an EV because you could have solar panels easily on your roof, or even if not solar panels, just charge your EV. The island's only 36 miles long. So even on a 200 mile, two mile, 200 mile range EV, you can drive that island, you know, five or six times, no problem. Um, and just importing gas is such a pain in the butt, like waiting in line at a gas station for 45 minutes and then getting to the front and there's no gas. Um, but yeah, so we're driving around and we saw um, the build your own or build your dreams BYD, um, China's biggest, I think one of their biggest vehicle manufacturers um, in the world, I think right behind Tesla. And I was actually really impressed. It reminds me a lot of the Fisker Ocean size um, or you know, like that smaller, like CX-5 Mazda, um, you know, not a huge, massive EV, but um, I was really impressed. Um, no one was around it, so I was able to look at it, look inside of it. The interior looks looks really well um, done. I don't know anything about the range or anything um, from, you know, the owner's perspective. I wasn't able to talk to them, but it was really, it was really look, a sharp-looking EV, and it catches your eye um, when I pulled up to it. I immediately, like, looked at it and knew it was kind of something cool. So I think it was, you know, I'm not sure um, if you guys know if, if you can import them into the U.S. Obviously, we're outside nope. of the United States, but. No, know. I mean, that, that's one thing for our listeners is that that BYD is not available in the U.S. And I, there's some talk of them coming over at some point, but we're not going to be able to get our hands on that for a few years at a minimum before that would occur. So, yeah, yeah, I mean, they're fun to look at, but don't get your hopes up on driving one in the U.S. anytime soon. You're listening to the Plug In For More podcast. If you're looking for information on electric vehicles, electric vehicles components, or information on how to reduce your carbon footprint, look no further than EVUniverse.com. EVUniverse.com is your one-stop shop for all things related to electric vehicle. So one of the other topics we want to talk about with EVs is some of the other ancillary costs you might run into. We've talked a lot about saving money on fuel and electricity instead, but things like car insurance and registration fees that people don't often consider when they're looking for new cars. And it's something that is potentially different for an electric vehicle. Uh, Brian has an extensive background in the insurance industry, and he's going to talk to us a little bit about the insurance differences for an EV versus an ICE vehicle. So yeah, we get a lot of questions. Uh, my day job's at Haggerty. We're a classic car, you know, modern uh, sports car, enthusiast car company, insurance company. And we get a lot of questions daily if we'll get it, we insure a Tesla, if we insure, insure a Lucid, because people are finding it's a lot more expensive to insure these electric vehicles. And 
would it fit on a specialty policy like a Haggerty policy meant for more of a classic car or a collectible car? And so um, long story short is Haggerty doesn't really insure a lot of those types of vehicles because we're, we're, our policy is more meant for collector cars, not cars that are driven daily. And a lot of these cars are being driven daily. So um, as, as far as the insurance industry goes, there's a lot of factors that fall into why it's more expensive to insure an electric vehicle generally. Um, and we, we can talk about those. I think the, the four big ones really are around the technology of electric vehicles. So there's a lot of technology that is in electric vehicles. They tend to be leading the technology space, right? So think of Tesla and the self-driving, all the cameras. Even my EV6 doesn't have you know full self-driving, but it's got cameras everywhere. There's sensors everywhere. There's a lot of technology in the car that if you get into even a small fender bender, it's going to cost a lot of money to fix. And Mike, I think you have an example of this from your Tesla accident. Yeah. So the, the accident I had was with a 2015 Tesla Model S P85D. And that was a fender bender. I mean, it was five miles an hour or, or less. I mean, it was really um, a small little accident. But... Um, with the camera up front and the the sensors um i mean that was a a couple month long process to get it repaired not only from just finding a new bumper and getting some of the new um components but also just the calibration so the calibration of the sensors took an extra three days because they were having difficulty doing that and that whole process i believe it was like 16 hours for that tech to troubleshoot and fix what was going on with it now that's not like a standard case but with mine it was it was something they ran into and i think that kind of factors into the insurance costs that sometimes you're going to run into these things that are going to take longer than normal and um it just it, it, it really delayed things um again because i was expecting to get on monday and i didn't pick up the car until friday because they just couldn't calibrate it so yeah yeah, Mike. I mean, you just hit it. You just hit the nail on the head. So you're going to take, you know, in the insurance base, they call that severity. So how much, how much an accident costs to completely fix the vehicle, right? And the severity of of what you just described is a lot longer because of all those cameras and all all of the um, costs that go associated with it. And then plus, if you have rental on your policy, now the insurance company is paying that much longer for rental. And so I think that that dives into I think the number two reason why EVs are a little bit more expensive to insure is because generally they're taking longer to be repaired. Like you described, it's cameras, it's part availability. It's the, there's not a lot of shops that even know how to work on these types of cars. And think about the wait, the wait times we've experienced over the last year or two, you know, Tom with his Maki, and just getting the vehicle, let alone replacement parts. So then the insurance companies stuck paying rental for, you know, three, four, five, six months when a normal vehicle would take, you know, two weeks. So that drives up the cost as well um, for the vehicles. Um, I think the third reason is the battery replacement and the battery, you know, testing and a lot of questions around what that looks like. So it's pretty easy. You know, a friend of mine, you know, she just had a, um, an accident. It was total out her Ford excursion. It's pretty easy in, a, in a, that type of car to know, like, if the engine's damaged, right? It's pretty easy to figure out. On an EV, I think it's a little bit harder. Um, you know, is the battery damaged? They have to run diagnostics. You know, Mike, what are your what are your thoughts on like battery replacements and things like that? Yeah, I mean, the battery replacement is a number one. It's a huge cost if they have to replace the whole thing, and I think that goes back to some of the things we've heard about Tesla. I mean, right now they're just the biggest out there, so let's use them as an example. 
But when they replace um, a battery or a battery component, if they see that something you know need needs to be replaced, they just replace the whole thing. And I I noticed that even with a door panel, it was just a small piece of trim, but they replaced basically the whole door. They just showed up at my house and replaced the whole thing, which frankly seemed very wasteful. Um, and uh, you know m- maybe they took that door back and you know parted it out so it wasn't going to be just completely scrapped but that's um, sort of analogous to what we're hearing with some of the the battery replacement stuff is they will there's a piece on of it that's broken they're not just going to fix that piece they're just going to okay take out the whole thing put a whole new one in um, and so that just all of a sudden you know might be a $15 part but now all of a sudden you're getting a $20,000 battery is that the case, you know, forever? I doubt it. I think they're going to start, you know, really digging in and finding some of these um, pieces and just, you know, fixing those smaller expenses. But then on the newer Teslas, when you have these um, structural batteries, there's some real questions there as far as on like the new Model Ys and what's going to happen with the Cybertruck and some other ones when that battery is truly part of the, the whole frame of the car. If that gets damaged, are you just replacing the whole car? Like, is that even replaceable? Can you even fix that battery or are you just scrapping the whole thing? I think that's going to be really interesting to see what happens in the next, you know, few months and years once those vehicles start coming out with those structural battery packs. We're not going to be able to give people an exact dollar amount, like how much their insurance is going to go up, if at all. And I maybe I'm in an anomaly with this, but my Mach-E is about $30 less a month than my Dodge Ram was for the same exact coverage. And I don't know if that's attributed to the safety features or just that I had a really fancy truck. Like, I'm not sure which, but for me, like, I didn't see an increase. Tom, that's a good point. I think, um, you know, the safety features is probably some, an area. So we're talking about the physical damage of the vehicle. Um, In severe accidents, though, EVs are also cutting edge with safety features. And so, you know, you might see some insurance companies actually save money because there's not severe injuries um now that's just that's just in general my ev6 was about a hundred dollars every six months more than my ram so not a huge increase to your point um it wasn't less expensive but it wasn't insane but i think also what we need to get into though is i think the very last reason why insurance generally um, we're at Haggerty we're getting hit up with lucid and teslas is the performance of the vehicles so this is pretty big because we run into this a lot. If you if you've never driven a supercar before, so if you go from we call it like new money or or I call it like new money or you know you you become really wealthy, you're gonna get a McLaren or a Lamborghini, and you've never driven something like that before. We see a lot of accidents. Um, just Google it, right? So many people not even getting home and getting into accidents because they've never felt something like that before. And now you're getting Teslas and you know, other EVs in a three, two, three, four seconds, zero to 60. You're talking about supercar performance in a family sedan. People aren't used to handling that. And I think that's another differentiation too. If you're going to get a Tesla, you know, it's zero to 60 in 1.9 seconds. That's You're talking like six supercar versus, you know, some of the Audi Q4 e-trons or you know, seven, eight seconds. So I think that also factors into the vehicle insurance of how, how performance driven is it versus, you know, you're, you're a Mustang and my EV6 still quick, you know, four or five seconds, zero to 60, but we're not talking like zero to 60 in two seconds. Yeah. No, 
Well, I mean, you, you think about that even uh, just a few years ago. I mean, that your cars that you're driving now, which aren't even the performance version of those vehicles, are still faster than most of the, I think most or if not all the Ferraris of the 80s and, you know, some of the 90s. Yeah. I mean, and these are, again, they're not even the, the fast ones. So, I mean, if you look at, even the the Rivian truck that I've got zero to sixty in three point sec three point oh, and that's faster than a McLaren F one. Correct. I mean, like that's and it's seven thousand pounds. It's incredible for a mini truck. Exact. Thanks, Tom, for that. That, that that's wonderful. You still need to apologize to Rivian. They're going to cry. Um, but yeah, no. I mean, it's just to your point. I mean, it's that what those cars can do and how fast if you can get into an I mean how fast can you get into an accident and how much extra damage does that performance yeah you know cause yeah I mean I think that's that's probably the biggest one there is just are people ready to have such a high performance type of vehicle and they're not used to it um so I think you know Tom you talked about this a little bit too but what kind of registration fee did you see um because I know I know I saw I was sticker shocked with my registration fee but what did you see on your Mach-E so I ended up having to spend about $140 just to get mine at the time of registration. It's basically the state of Michigan charges the $140 on top of your normal fees. And we're not going to dive into every state because every state is going to be different. But Michigan is going to base your registration fee on the original MSRP of the vehicle. So you're going to have that initial fee alone, which I think, for the Mike Maki and our EV6 price point is going to be around like $300 a year. And then the state's going to ding you for another $140 a year just because it's an electric car. The thought process behind it is that you're not utilizing gas pumps anymore. So you're not paying the fuel tax, which is right now about 28.6 cents per gallon for Michigan. So that fuel tax obviously goes towards fixing roads in theory and other, you know, road-based operations so that's the way the state is going to recoup its money uh in order to keep the revenue up i saw the same my uh my ram registration was like 160 bucks a year 170 bucks a year and mm -hmm. my ev6 is like 440 so it's 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 definitely a lot more expensive but mm -hmm. to your point uh we're not using the fuel tax we're using zero fuel tax so that's the way to offset it right and so like we're still in the green, so to speak, you know, if you start looking at overall costs of ownership, but like some states, there's like, there's about 20 different states that I found that are going to have a special fee associated with electric vehicles. Like uh, Georgia, I think is the highest that I've found some research is about $215 extra. Um, you know, California is like a hundred, I think. And then obviously Michigan's at 140, but there's, I think it's gonna be pretty consistent across the board. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, I think that the main thing for the listeners is that there's there's pluses to EVs, and I think we've talked about a lot of them. But there's also there's some downsides too, and there's things that you get to consider. Um, it's not all, you know, uh, rose colored glasses, and when we're, when we're talking about this stuff, and so it's just buyer beware, and that's what we're here for is trying to help educate people. Yeah, I think uh, I think you know, putting the nail in the in the insurance conversation. It's interesting to see, you know, Tesla has its own insurance. Rivian started up its own insurance. I'd be really curious to see in, in the long run what happens with some of these car companies. This isn't new. Like companies have tried this before, starting their own insurance. But, you know, Tom and I's experiences, it doesn't have to be crazy expensive. So if you do get an EV and you do see a massive increase, it might make sense to shop around because 
you know, mine's 200 bucks a year difference. Tom's is less expensive. Mike, I don't know what your insurance looks like from, you know, your, it's been a while since you've owned a gas powered car. So you might yeah. not even remember, but I don't, I don't. Um, yeah. I mean, and frankly, I mean, it's good going from a truck to from the model Y, you know, and there was a, a small change there, but for, for the most part, it's been pretty close. And the, the, the MSRP on all the vehicles is about the same. Well, I'm glad that we finally got all three of us back in the same room to do a recording here. Hopefully we can yeah. keep it going. It's all good. It's all good. You guys have a great rest of your day. Eh? You too. Thanks, guys. Right. Let's see you guys. Thank you for listening to Plug In for More. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss any future episodes. In the meantime, check out the one-stop EV marketplace, eVuniverse.com. Until next time.